Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 11, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide in Junior Prospect Hockey League. Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Happy to bring on Jason Bukla and as well as Brad Allen. We're going to talk a little bit about Team Canada's camp and what transpired over you know, the last few days as we're recording this because cuts have been made. And I'm always interested in the decision-making within a group. Jason, you've been in that at a NHL level. Uh, in terms of, you know, camps and which guys that you're sending back down and which guys are going to make it to you know, the American League or the NHL and Hockey Canada and their situation is no different. But one of the things I, I really found fascinating, and we talked about it the other day, is when I'm evaluating players for this camp, I always look at what they don't, what they do without the puck. Mm-hmm. Just depending on the player, most of the time, you're looking at somewhere between 96 to 99% of the time, you're on the ice or like in that 60 minute game, you don't have the puck. Yeah. Like it could be up to 99% of the time you don't have the puck. So what do you do when you don't have the puck? And to me, that is the factor that separates the players that for me, that should get cut or don't get cut in that respect. Yeah. It's interesting. I know when we were talking about that the other day, it's uh, I think that's a fascinating analogy, you know, cause that is reality. Uh, Brad, like 99% of the time that you are on the ice, uh, maybe a little bit less for certain players like a Celebrini, for example, you really don't have the puck. I mean, you're in motion, you're usually off the puck or you're anticipating where the play is going to develop. And and certainly, Shane, to your point, when you're we're talking about a tournament like this, the details are really, really uh, important. They're, they're more important. Everything's magnified, right? So, um, you know, you get you take a player like Carson Rakoff, for example, you know, 31 goals in the Ontario Hockey League. He makes the team, leads the OHL in scoring with, I think, 55 overall points, that is. Um, you know, so I was curious to watch him play yesterday and see how he mined down uh, defensively, see what his awareness is. And uh, Team Canada, it appears, at training camp anyways, are going to play a man-on-man defensive zone coverage, um, which means that everybody better be dialed in, especially over there with the extra width on the ice. I believe we're going to be playing on a hybrid ice surface in Sweden, which means that it's wide like an Olympic, but it's just the same length as a uh, NHL uh, ice surface. But if you're not scoring goals and you're not playing to the identity per se that you're uh, you've been thrust into with your club team, you better be doing all the rest of the stuff exceptionally well. Be above the play when you don't have the puck in the offensive zone track back appropriately in the neutral zone. And then of course, lock on to your guy in the defensive zone. So can't skate, can't think, can't play. Uh, it's nice that you can have goal scores and all the rest of it, but the other two things, uh, these are things that are magnified at big events like this. I'm, brought, I'm glad you brought up Celebrini because for myself, I'm wondering what both of you think about this is where do you feel that his impact lies relative to other top end Canadian prospects over the last couple of years? When you compare him to Shane Wright and Adam Fantilli, Quinton Byfield, Connor Bedard, obviously, uh, where do you guys think he factors in here for Team Canada? I'll take it first, I guess, Shane. Like for me personally, uh, his his game falls somewhere in between McKinnon and Fantilli, um, the way that it projects out. He plays like his hair's on fire. 
his three zone effort is off the charts. Like this kid competes relentlessly all over the ice. I think that he can be used in defensive zone scenarios as well as offensive zone scenarios, obviously, for Team Canada. I would trust him 100% in the defensive zone. Wins, draws, has a plan, enters the faceoff circle with everybody knowing what's about to happen, where we're going with the play. Um, if he loses the draw, he locks onto his guy. There was no issues with that at all. He was Celebrini was, was Team Canada's best player in this camp. I expect him to not only carry the load offensively at the tournament, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's thrown out there for some key defensive scenarios as well. One of the things that I may not get talked about is what Celebrini is going to do to the rest of the roster because he's a draft eligible player. And if he is the one that's leading in terms of pace, energy, work ethic, intelligent play, it forces all the older players to ramp their game up because there's a level of personal pride that every player has on team Canada. Yes. They're a collective group, but you don't want to be, yes, he's obviously uber talented celebrating. We all admit that, but there's an aspect mentally and emotionally that he's going to push this team to another level in terms of what their output's going to be and what their attention to detail is going to be. So I'm really interested to see how he personally impacts the rest of the roster, particularly his line mates as that, you know, the line, the lines kind of configure themselves over the next week or two. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. And again, you know, depending on what role we already know, he's going to be thrust in the offensive role. So if he starts to be utilized defensively, let's just say somebody in the bottom six, I don't really see this roster necessarily as having like a top six, bottom six. It's an interesting group. Um, but whoever is that guy, call it um, Fraser Minton. Let's just use him as an example. And he's struggling in the faceoff dot for some reason. Um, and yeah, you have other options like Danielson and some other guys who are going to play out of position um, who are centermen. But having said that, you know, Celebrini might elevate his game to the point where, you know, he takes over some of these other secondary small roles, even in those smart or, or a short little burst. So what I mean by that is, you know, we need a key win in the neutral zone. We have, you know, or the defensive zone on the strong side, you know, he might win a draw and come off because he's towards the tail of a, uh, of a ship before or something like that. So I think it's good. It's healthy. They're going to push each other. Celebrini um, um, will obviously uh, with his energy and compete, uh, elevate the people around him. One of the interesting things, I'm glad you guys brought a couple, you know, points up is, when the you do the roster construction, you talk about it's almost like they're in some cases in the past emulating the NHL roster, and I understand I don't understand why you would do that when you have that level of talent within this peer group. That's a that's an Olympic team, you know, in terms of its peer group amongst its age group. So for me, it's just like you don't have one line doesn't have to play seven minutes more than another line. Like these are all top line players on their respective teams. They could all roll respectively, you know, 15 minutes a game and just spread it out amongst And Some are going to play more because they're playing hot or play, guys are more aching to play in the power play. And some guys are maybe a little bit obviously better on the penalty kill, but I don't understand why there's like you configure it a one through four lineup when you don't have to do that. Thoughts. You want to go first? Yeah, I was just going to say there's there's obviously tremendous depth. Though you know what, this year relative to some others, I, I don't consider this one of the stronger teams Canada's put on the ice. Especially when you look at their back end and and net, I feel like there's some vulnerability there but where some teams could surprise. 
Uh, yeah, the forward group is obviously uh, dynamic. I think Celebrini is uh, a true number one overall pick. You know, some in recent years we've had a couple of these kids. You know, Shane Wright was projected to be that. He ended up going fourth. His his career hasn't taken off in the way some people thought it was going to. Uh, I didn't. Adam Fatila was fine at this event. He played his role well. He did what he was supposed to do, and he adapted to his role. But he wasn't the game-changer impact player that Bedard was. So where does Celebrini fall? I think Celebrini is going to have to pull off something close to what Bedard did uh, in order to get this done, potentially. Because I don't think it's it's one of the strongest rosters. In fact, I think pound for pound, you could say the States is probably stronger than Canada this season. Yeah, I think that there's an argument to be made with, uh, with other teams, for sure. And I, I think to your point, though, Shane, it's going to be wise to rule out as many um, consistent groups as possible to wear down the opponent. I think that's the approach with this group. Uh, you know, they do have some skill. They have a nice mix. But I think really what, what stands out, too, is that they've got some high-end compete guys who will, um, as my dog is saying hello to somebody. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, uh, they got some high-end compete guys who will play with their hairs on fire and, and really push up and down the ice. Relentless compete is, I think, how they have to identify you know, and I agree with that. I think one of the things that I identified with this forward group is how many of them are I would consider adept defensive forwards. Like, yes, they produce produce points in their respective clubs, but those are guys that I would trust in, you know, defensive zone, penalty kill, last minute. Like, if you look at, you know, guys like, you know, Minton, um, you know, for example, as well as Danielson, like those are guys who can match up defensively against any forward in the opposition. So they have some leniency in terms of doing that. There's something to be said for, you know, suffocating your opposition and wearing them down to the point where like they just wear out and there's value in that. I know everybody wants to look at the offense and pushing up and pace and up and down the ice, but there is something to be said for just, defensively suffocating like almost like Jacques Lemaire New Jersey Devils you're not going to get an inch anywhere near the net and we're going to hound you all the way up and down the ice to the point where mid third round period you're giving up you're giving up and because you got nothing left in the tank and we just worn you down so that's what I'm really interested to see from that standpoint but we should take a short break on hockey prospect radio we'll come back we'll talk about the goalies in the D for Canada briefly right after these messages every play every stat every breakdown on their own they're essential but all together they're undeniable introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse huddle instats advanced tagging and next level stat reports help you develop your team and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film visit huddle.com backslash hpr to learn more The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Jason Bukla and Brad Allen. We are chatting about Team Canada. They solidified their roster uh, a couple days ago as we're recording so let's talk a little bit about the D and the goaltending. This is what I'm interested in is you look at the defense core and there's some, you know, mobile, big bodies, a nice mix of some guys who can produce a lot of offense. Obviously, Dent Matejchuk is going to be one of the guys that's going to be leaned on pretty heavily on the power play. I'm sure Oliver Bonk's going to get some time there as well. Uh, and there's a couple more in there too. Um to you, Jason, thoughts on this overall defense core? Um, because I thought they brought a pretty diverse mix of types of players to sort of fit almost any style. And the fact that you mentioned they're going to play a man-on-man D, which I personally like. Uh, I don't like zone defense. I don't like the zone v- defense in, in hockey, and I don't like it in football either. Um, you got to play up your man um, from that standpoint. So thoughts on the D overall and who they chose and who they left off? Yeah, first of all, when you're playing man-on-man, it, it certainly simplifies things, right? They know what their their job is, and they're not going to be a lot of switches. And, you know, when you pull a group together in short order, uh, communication is key. This is an interesting mix. I mean, I'm looking over the roster right now, and, you know, uh, Matejchuk should quarterback one of the power play units. Molendijk's a, a, a kind of a whirling dervish. He's, he's active all over the ice, like literally active all over the ice. Some good, some bad. There's some risk-reward there. Bonk is uh, leaning two-way, obviously can play on the power play, but he's going to be more of a stabilizer uh, in my estimation. Um, you know, you get into some of the other guys on the on the roster, like Furlong, uh, Lamaru, and Noah Warren. Well, let's just talk about Warren and Lamaru specifically. I mean, Lamaru uh, manages the game better with the puck on his stick than Warren does. He, he outlets pucks better. Uh, they both are actually capable skaters. There's no issues with that. There was no issues at this camp with uh, Noah Warren's mobility, agility. Um, just it's going to be timing, right? Like closing on guys uh, uh, on time and, and containing. Uh, but I see the mix here being if you want to lean defensive or shut down guys, I think that the guys that will be asked to play heavier like that, Luno, Lamaru, Warren, uh, the guys will be asked to push the play more, Molendike, Matejchuk, 
and the guys that will be kind of in the middle of all that is uh, like Furlong and Bonk. So um, interesting mix. Uh, they can all do, you know, different things. Um, I think it's going to come down to puck management and then, uh, which is easy to say, but trust me, it's not as easy when you're under duress in a big tournament. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think I think I agree with both of you when it's a, when you talk about the diversity of the defense and uh, like the offensive forwards that we talked about, how they're going to have to do it by a high pace of play and by committee. I feel like the defense is very much going to have to do that as well. Uh, obviously, they have huge advantages here. Uh, you know, you're talking about Madichuk having a fantastic camp out of Columbus. You're talking about some of these players who've really been with NHL teams already and know what the pace is up at the NHL level, uh, at least to some degree. So they can match the pace. Uh, to to your point, Jason, I think one one player I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do here is Noah Warren. I think he's going to be very important in shutting down some of these other teams using his range. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he does manage his gaps, how he does manage the responsibility of, of making sure that he's the last man back when, as you mentioned, some of these other defensive players that can activate into the rush like a Mullendike. Uh, he's going to have to insulate for a player like that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how how it's uh, how it's managed. Uh, but it it is uh, I think a good mix, uh, but not again not the best one we've ever seen or anything. But a solid mix that should be able to get the job done depending on how they do uh, with the goaltending and forwards. Yeah, it's, you know it's interesting when I look at this mix of defense, and you know we talk about Warren and, and some of the larger defensemen is recognizing that that extra space wide isn't a th- generally isn't a threat. That difference between that ice surface and ice surface they play on generally isn't an issue. Because you like even if you get a wide around wide, you gotta swing all the way back in towards the net to get there. And there's enough time for you know people to come back. Like there's there's a time element there, time saved, time earned for defense. So knowing that, okay, I can give them that right to, against the boards because I'm gonna be able to recover. From that standpoint, you know, Jason, what do you think about that situation when, you know, there's an adjustment for defensemen, particularly when defending most importantly off the rush? Yeah, I think that uh, the the term or the description defending between the dots has almost been created on on these types of ice surfaces. Right. Because if you start to defend outside the dots, uh, if you look all the way up the ice, all the face off dots. If you start to defend outside of that, then you're obviously giving away key real estate in the middle of the ice. So it's always been a strength of most European teams uh, when they're really good that uh, that's what their defense does. And that's the challenge for the Canadian team here. Keep it simple. Keep it on the outside. The way you just brought up a really good point, Shane, that depending on where the zone entry is and, and where they drive wide off the zone entry, your opponent, um, the wider you can kind of take them to below the hash marks on the flank. Uh, the more real it's a harder frame to get to the cage at that point. Right. So it all comes down to timing, defending in a certain quadrant there on the zone entry. Um, but certainly it's easier in a way where, you know, you don't have to jump out to a guy as aggressively as they do in North America. Thoughts on the three goalies uh, that are coming into team Canada. Uh, now, all of them had had some success with obviously their respective clubs, but I don't consider any of them to be, this number one clear cut, we're going to lean on him. I think Hawk Cannon's going to have to figure out who's going to be that that goalie that does that for them. And I don't know which one it's going to be. Honestly, I don't know. Oh, so I was just going to jump in and say, 
you know, I think it's Scott Ratzlaff's net to lose. And if he does lose it, Canada's in trouble. That's that's the way I look at the goaltending situation. Yeah, so um, I'm going out on a different limb. <laughs> so <laughs> Russo, Russo was really good at camp for me. Um, you know, he's – Halifax is, uh, as you know, Shane, out there, uh, you know, they're like the number one ranked team in the CHL, but they win games on any given night, not – um, you know, they're not winning six, five games. Like, you know, they win games because Russo has been really strong for them in Halifax. He's not ideal in terms of size of five eleven, you know, 172 pounds or something like that, but his composure and the way that he played at this camp, he breaks camp right now as a leading candidate to be one for me. Um, didn't venture outside his post. He fronted the play exceptionally well. He just has this really, really confident look about him. They're all different. Like St. Hilaire's bigger. Uh, Ratzlaff's, uh, you know, not real tall either, but he plays a more compact style even than Russo does. St. Hilaire, uh, I would call him more of a butterfly athletic type of a guy. Uh, you know, his timing is going to be a little bit of a challenge. He was fine. There was no issues really, except that I found that he was going down. His drops were a little bit off at times. And when you drop even a fraction of a second off, going down to the butterfly, it exposes you around your toes of your pads and between your legs. So it's just going to come down to timing. They're going to battle. I mean, it was like last year too, right? You know, yeah. Goudreau started for Canada. Millich took over. We'll see. Whoever wins the net uh, should go on a run. They got to stay with the hot guy is my, is my advice. Uh, right now, breaking camp though, Russo's my guy. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, if I had to lean, I'd probably go Ratzlaff over, if you're looking at his past, um, you know, but also I can certainly look at Russo in terms of playing a hot hand. And it really comes down. Look, Jason, you were a goalie. How much like like a goalie's confidence exudes across the defense core? So if you get a guy who like has bails out the D a couple times, all of a sudden the D just relax. Like not that they want to make a mistake, but there's the whole composure and the body language, your defense changes when the goalie bails you out a couple times. And I think Russo ha certainly has that capability of doing that. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I'm sitting here talking to you guys is because I was never good enough to bail my, uh, defense. <laughs> they were, they were having to bail me out instead, but anyways, uh, absolutely. You're hundred percent right. And the other thing you have to recognize is uh, over there playing the puck becomes even more important. Uh, a lot of European teams don't like to dump and chase. It's not really their thing. They want to enter with control. But when that does happen, you need a goalie that can get out there and play the puck and outlet some pucks. Um, so Russo does that well as well. You know, you know, it's pick them at this point, guys. Like, we really don't know because none of them have been on the international stage. Bratzlaff was at the Holinka two years ago. Uh, that was a juggernaut of a team in Red Deer for uh, Team Canada. You know, his stats were off the charts. But since that time, everybody else doesn't have any real uh, kind of uh, marriage with the, the Canadian program yet. So... It's uh, it's to be determined. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. 
Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now speaking with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Pat, thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, this topic this week is shooting skills for the pro game. So, um, in prior conversations this week, I didn't ask you anything about that because I wanted to be surprised about the different terms that you use and the little nuggets that we can get from that. So I didn't want to like, you know, ruin it for myself while we can, you know, (laughs) while we're talking live. So uh, give our listeners a a breakdown of, you know, what you mean by shooting skills for the pro game. Yeah. I mean, often when you see a prospect, a drafted player, um, you know, an accomplished junior player, they've, they've got skills and habits that allow them to succeed at the level that they're at. And so, you know, when someone like me gets my hands on them and, and of course, you know, they all want to sign an entry level deal and they all want to take a step to the next level. A lot of things that they've done that allowed them to succeed through minor hockey or through, you know, the Ontario hockey league or the Q or the dub or, or at the NCAA level, it, it certainly is something that may not translate to the level that, that will allow them to have success. So things that we'll look for um, and things that all start to break down. So I'll introduce them to something called neutral forward shooting. So shooting without the benefit of a big windup or backswing um, at the National Hockey League level, you don't have that kind of time. And so, you know, hand placement and, and power generation and some different things that come from neutral forward shooting, meaning from sort of if you, you thought the midline of your body to the side was neutral shooting from there forward without the tell um, or the extra time taken in movement of a backswing um, deception and release is certainly something with young players that, that you'll see is, 
you know, they'll, they'll try to create a hard shot. Everybody wants to have a hard shot and they want power, power, power. Well, I think when we put all the numbers in a blender, we realize that goaltenders at the national hockey league level have an advantage if they can see a puck and they can tab your release. And so deception in your release, changing angle, doing things that created small micro movements in a goaltender that create advantage for the shooter. And then, you know, we dig into things like, are you able to shoot from both legs or are you someone that's only comfortable shooting and generating any kind of velocity on it from one particular sort of release? Um, Can you shoot off the catch, you know, different things that, you know, are you able to catch a puck into loaded posture and generate a shot from it? And so those are the sorts of things that, that I would look at, you know, break down their gameplay and introduce from a training concept to, to take them to the next level with their execution. Uh, can you discuss the significance of being able to shoot behind screens and being able to drag laterally through the screen so you can shoot on, other, on either side? Yeah. I, I mean, again, you know, you're taking a young player, oftentimes, you know, a prospects in their draft year or has just been drafted and, and trying to make the jump, you know, a lot of times for a kid that's drafted, you know, they'll get an eye opener when they head to their first development camp or their first opportunity to play against men, if you will. And so the ability that, you know, to understand that I'm not going to get the clean looks that I might be used to, you know, when I'm a more accomplished player playing against younger players in junior or less accomplished players in junior. So the ability to shoot through and around is certainly something that's not comfortable, but it needs to be the new comfort level for players hoping to produce at a higher level. Um, and so that's a really significant thing that we'll introduce is that, you know, to be able to shoot through and around with placement and, and some sort of zip on it is certainly a skill that, again, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But unfortunately, if, if you don't have those abilities in the bag, it's very, very difficult to, to generate offense in the National Hockey League. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. We're powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Uh, the topic this week is shooting skills for the pro game. Uh, Pat, talk about um, shooting when you're in, like, in traffic and there's bodies on you and, you know, trying to explain the value of that and why you're going to need that at the pro game. You talked about, you know, the, you know, getting different looks, but you know, in the NHL, there's going to be bodies on you that are not going to be that weren't there in junior that you're going to have to figure out a way to get that shot away effectively. Yeah. And that really, you know, that goes hand in hand with the concept of neutral forward shooting and deception and release you know, obviously in the best league in the world, time is, is certainly a luxury you don't have. And so being able to generate with lack of time, with lack of opportunity to prepare uh, and still have some level of accomplishment is always the task that, that we try to tackle. And so neutral forward, meaning I can still create accuracy and I can still generate some, some pop to my shot without having to take the time to load up, load up, load up. Because often what we'll find, especially where those shots are valuable, is, is the idea that quickness of release and having goaltenders have to make micro adjustments is going to serve us better than just raw power. And so, you know, the idea of, of having a puck that is, is a quick to release and it gets to the spot we're trying to get it to versus having it be super hard to get there is going to pay us off specifically when we talk about inside dots and inside the inner house portion of, of the slot 
when it comes to being able to generate, you know, shots that stick, if that makes sense. So Pat, is it one of those situations where even when you see a, a shooter such as a Arthur Kaliev, somebody who's just mm-hmm. capable of overpowering uh, a netminder or somebody's in the NHL, obviously a great example, this would be Alexander Ovechkin. Um, do you look at them stylistically and you say, okay, I appreciate the fact you can overpower a netminder, but let's, let's fine tune some technical aspects so that, as you just said, you can incorporate the very small movements within a goalie's game or what, what we call micro adjustments so that you can just beat them with less power and, and more finesse. Yeah. I mean, having that power, it's kind of, you know, I'll, I'll liken it to say, you know, a home run hitter, you know, they've got power to be able to, 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 you know, bomb a, a ball, but can you put one in play? And so it's the same sort of concept. We know we have the power on things like set power play units where, you know, I'm here and I know that the, the, the one timer and, and giving it the heater is what I'm after, but, you know, having them understand that micro movements and goaltenders creates advantage drives up things like shooting percentage for players, because, you know, it takes goaltenders away from what makes them succeed and having them understand the power of quickness, prior to preparation in a goaltender and the power that it can have in, in adding uh, additional, you know, effectiveness with their shot. It was something that I worked quite a lot with Claude Giroux on where we see Claude winding up those big one timers and doing some of those sorts of things, you know, heading back to sort of that 2017 season where he was, he was sort of coming back and we were looking for new pathways. And one of the things that with, with Claude is he's, he's got a, a deadly accurate shot, but one of the things that he was trying to do quite a bit was, load up a puck and and really try to power shoot it and what we started to recognize when we broke down his game was look where your shots are being generated from and while we're you know we're we're creating a lot of power on some of them there wasn't a lot of uh, movement in goaltenders there wasn't a lot of deception in the release and so we worked a lot on things like angle change shooting pucks from his feet shooting pucks from different legs and you know luckily in that particular season it it was a career year for him in terms of, of of creating goals And it was just something small. I mean, you know, great hands, obviously, you know, a star player at the time. And and it's a small thing often that you'll see in players where they they maybe haven't thought of it that way. You know, growing up, it's all about shooting hard. It's all about, you know, for a lot of coaches, it's pucks on net. And when you start to really look at it from the, the perspective of let's take a quality perspective instead of a quantity perspective um, to breaking it down, you'd start to see that, hey, all right, if I get a goalie mid-shuffle or if I get a goalie to make a micro-shuffle in order to square up, that means there's movement that they hadn't planned for and they're trained not to do. And if I can create that movement with my movement, you know, it creates advantage for me as a shooter. You know, that, Pat, that's fascinating because, you know, it's about, it, it's that game of cat and mouse with the goalie. And of course, the defenseman and the other players are in the middle. But, it's about, you know, recognizing tendencies and, you know, and breaking sometimes uh, at the end of the day of dogma, right. Of, Oh, this yep. is the way it's always been done, but you know, so this is the way it's always going to be done. Um, and it's, and that's where the goaltenders I think have had the advantage and the shooters have to come back and push it back the other way, but we're going to take a quick break on hockey prospect radio, but we're going to be back with Pat right after these important messages. Every play Every stat, every breakdown, on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. 
Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, leagues worldwide. Now we're going to be speaking with Pat Malloy about player development on our ongoing series. Uh, the topic as we continue on this week is speed differential, efficiency, and evasiveness. Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate it. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, get into a little bit about those topics and start with speed differential and um, give our listeners some background on what that means. Then how does uh, someone in player development uh, recognize that in a player and then build that up to be at a level that would be um, NHL caliber? Yeah, I mean, these three topics, everything's sort of week over week. Every time we're together, we kind of um, everything melds together. But from a, you know, an efficiency speed differential and an evasiveness standpoint, you know, I'll start with the efficiency concept in that we spoke, you know, previously on the concepts of power acquisition, turning power into speed and creating quickness in our movement. And, and really the efficiency component, you know, is, is all about that postural power acquisition. So being in posture that allows us to uh, access muscle fibers that move our mass, you know, without getting too crazy into the science, that's really what we're looking for. And then as it relates to speed differential, you know, ultimately the goal that we'd like to, to have is to a have a high stride turnover rate. So we want to make sure that we can, 
really access all the power, create the speed and have the process wrapped up via quickness to create as much stride turnover in a set space as we can. Um, and from a speed differential standpoint, a lot of that, you know, really boils down to understanding how to use our speed. So we want to have a high top end, no question. Everyone would love to have a real high top end. Um, and we talked a bit about acceleration. Well, the key here with this is making sure that we recognize that we can, we know what it feels like and we drill and rep to the understanding of this is what it feels like when I'm redlining, when I'm, you know, I've got the, the pedal push to the floor. But then from a speed differential standpoint, I don't want to be redlined all over the ice. I want to make sure there's some in reserve and that I have acceleration to create different openings and spaces, um, you know, that my mind sees or my eyes see and my hockey sense evaluates to, to be able to get to the spots and create that pocket of time. So from a drilling perspective, it's making sure we try to develop a good high end speed, but then understanding that we don't want to just live there, that the way that we apply that speed at various portions of the ice is going to be hugely important for us in that range. Yeah, when you're talking about um, applying north-south speed differential and how, how fast they can apply their top speed and for how long, do you put, uh, do you put them through a simulations where they're already deconditioned so they almost have to fight through their own mechanics and then, and then try to make sure that they're more comfortable in that surrounding so that they can uh, reapply the mechanics when they're at that, that red line state, as you suggest? hundred percent. I mean, everything that we'll try to do, we'll, we'll put them in scenarios they'll find themselves in. You know, I've always been a believer that, that skating the game is hugely important. And that, that really comes back to the idea of speed differential. So I think we've all seen players that are, you know, they're, they're Corvettes. They can, they're like NASCAR. They can race around and they're, they're a hundred miles an hour with their hair on fire all the time, but there's really no application to how it's used and they accomplish very little taxi energy system don't get much done, um, but boy, they look great zipping around the ice and accomplishing very little. So it's, it's really the understanding that, you know, if we know what top speed feels like, understanding that if I'm going to beat someone in a scenario where I've got to get past them, but I'm already redlining uh, and there's just nothing else, I'm going to go to default skills and, and likely make a poorer percentage play than I would had I given myself the opportunity to have another burst, to have another um, element to my mobility and to my acceleration. Uh, and, and those things are key in terms of skating the game is, is one of the things, especially once you've got you know, access to a player, for instance, within an organization, and you can create that plan, um, how they apply and skate the game really becomes something that you know, you, you start to augment the technical skills and, and the, the things that we do off the ice athletically with them to make them better skaters. Um, those things become, you know, very, very important to, to augment all of those other areas. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy, player development coach, about our topic this week in speed differential, efficiency, and evasiveness. Pat, do you use video um, as examples of players that race around the ice like a Corvette? I always think back to Rico Fata um, from that standpoint of that type of skater and then use video examples of players that know how to use their speed effectively within a game. And I always think back as obviously – uh, in football, we used to have wide receivers that could just run 
like just like sprint like cheetahs, but really couldn't understand when they had to stop and slow down and slide into zones. And um, I find that very similar application into into hockey as well of not understanding what's going on around you. Um, how critical are the video component in your coaching sessions so that they have an image in their mind of what they need to do? You, you know, today's athletes, a lot of them are visual learners. Um, I like to use example, comparable players. I like them to see themselves. I'll do a lot with split screens where they can see themselves versus a comparable. Um, and, and sort of wrapping into our last topic of evasiveness, how you harness and control and apply your your basis skating in a game and your speed use in a game really is one of the most you know effective ways to evade confrontation or people trying to close time and space on you. And so that's where I'll draw their attention is, is not, you know, because I said, so here, here's the, you know, the game-based evidence of the things you're doing. You know, I don't know how many times, especially when you get a young player and they're graduating to pro and the idea is, is that they're over skating things a lot of the time, trying to show that I can keep pace of play at this level. Um, and sometimes it's less is more. And, and it's a, it's also a reverse mindset. Sometimes you've got players that are never going to be super high end top out full speed type players, but they can be very, very effective understanding that being fast at the right time is, 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 is more important than being overall fast. And so I, I think the game shows us that, that we see several players that are quite accomplished in the national hockey league. That, that don't skate like Connor McDavid and that's okay. That's his physical makeup, his talent level. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that go into the way he moves. Um, there's other players that are very effective players that are high earning players that are, that are high value players in terms of their club. And their understanding is, is that I have to, to, to work a little bit differently within the confines of my athletic ability, my strength level, my talent level, uh, my processing of the game. And so, you know, I'll use it on both sides. Um, we can improve every skater to a degree, but there's no such thing as one perfect style of skating. There's, there's the science that backs optimal movement, but everybody's physical makeup is a little bit different than another. So for, for me to try to cookie cutter and say, I'm going to make you Nathan McKinnon, or I'm going to make you Connor McDavid, that's, that's not a, a fair measuring stick to put someone up against. Um, it's, it's making sure you fully understand each athlete, each player, and, and all of the things that go into making them what they are, showing them comparable, showing them, you know, the things that they habitually do that work, and then things that would translate a little bit better to, to success at the pro level. Yeah. And those are all, and those are interesting factors. And you look, I look at a guy like Mark Stone as, you know, a skater who is obviously not the, not the most, you know, speed burner, but he's a really highly effective skater and knows when he has to be, you know, pump, pump that up uh, in any game situation. So I, you know, I think his understanding of how he, what he needs to do when he is skating makes him an effective skater. But when you looked at him in the draft year, that's the reason why he dropped down to the fifth round and, you know, the Senators got this superstar at that level. So I always find those comparables um, really fascinating. But Pat, thank you very much for coming on our show once again, giving us some really fantastic insight uh, on the topic this week. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Sounds great, guys. Everyone stay safe and healthy and we'll talk soon. That's Pat Malloy, player development coach. Both Brad and I are going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after these important messages.
every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speak with Jason Bukla and Brad Allen. Let's chat about Team USA for the World Juniors. Now, their roster isn't complete as this is being recorded. So let's talk a little bit about, let's start with their forward group in terms of, look, this is a stacked forward group, but they're go- they have 16 forwards in camp. They're going to have to cut three. And the hard part is figuring out who's going to get cut. Because I look at the roster and I don't know. Like, I legitimately, I have a hard time figuring out who's going to make it and who's not. Like, I could pretty much, you know, I could probably pick out the top nine. But that 10 to 13, I think it's like you could you could mash them all together and put names in a hat and pull them out and say, okay, that's fine. But, Jason, like, thoughts on that? Because there's such, there's such depth in terms of overall skill comparative to any other group. I think they're the by far the most skilled forward group. Yeah, I I think the U.S. and Sweden, you know, we could be seeing a sort of uh, like a U18 last spring type of matchup, you know, like this yeah. is a, this is a 
this is a really deep American team. For me, historically, um, and you know, don't hold me to it. We could have a debate, I guess, but this might be the this might be the most talented American team I've ever seen. I mean, they can literally roll four lines that can come at you any which way you want to play. Fast, skilled, um, you know, attack off the rush, lethal power play. There's some of these names on the power play, ridiculous. Um, but then, you know, we'll get to the underbelly too, like the guys who could take like key faceoffs and, and you know, shut down opponents. Like, don't underestimate guys like Danny Nelson and the value that a player like that brings to the roster if he makes the team. You know, he's a bigger body, wins faceoffs, responsible in his own. Oliver Moore. You know, same, um, but yeah. same plays super fast, you know, can be, you know, really good on the on, on, on the special teams, both sides of the special teams, really, can't he? Cutter Goche, you know, power, goal scorer. Um, Gavin Brindley, similar to, to Moore. I mean, yeah. We can go on and on. This is this is uh, Frank Nazar coming off injury last year. You know, he was one of my favorite players there a couple of years ago. I really like Frank and and I love his character and his drive. So. I don't know, guys. Like this is going to be, this is going to cause problems for every team in the tournament. To pick your poison to match up against this group. Yeah, to your point, I think this is the the favorite to win it. Really, the, the states are just stacked this season. Uh, when you look at the center depth, it's not fair. That's just the way I look at it. The center depth is not fair. The goaltending is is on point. The defense core is set. It, it's just. They, as you said, Jason, they can they can beat a team any way that they need to. That's that's the key with this team. They don't have to play a very specific style. I feel like what we mentioned with Canada, where they do have to keep up a, a very high pace. They're going to have to overwhelm teams on the forecheck. They're going to have to rely on key uh, attention to detail moments on the ice during turnovers and getting back in transition. The States, they could have a bad period and then score four on the power play. When the experience over, right? That's that's the level of of power that the states are bringing here. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where I'll be honest, I'm Canadian, but I don't hate it because I do think it helps grow the sport. The more the states uh, do well at events like this, so it will be very interesting to see how teams like Sweden, Canada uh, handle. You guys brought brought up really good points about the forward depth because if you break down the lines in any which way you want, from you know that that last line, that fourth line, if you want to call it that, that's a second line for Canada and Sweden. That's how crazy it is in terms of the overall talent. And I agree with Brad wholeheartedly. You look at the center depth, it they have an opportunity to throw in, like there's going to have wingers who are right-handed shots and there's a face-off and it's to their advantage. Like every line is going to have a second centerman that can, can do draws. And that's going to be a massive advantage in the defensive zone and the offensive zone to take advantage of who the opposition is. And these players are smart enough to recognize, no, I'm going to be able to take this guy. I have a better chance of taking this guy out. Let's switch. Like, so tactically in terms of the coaching staff, this is where when we talk about, you know, you, you don't have to build an NHL roster. Like this is, this actually, I'm not going to say this is 2005 Ford group of Canada when they went to North Dakota, but it's similar in the respect that it doesn't matter what line it is. It's a number one line. And then how, what happens late in games and you get matchup issues and your guys are tired and the fourth line of the States goes out and they're a number one line. Like, I don't, it's going to be defensively, it's going to be a matchup issue. And I'm not sure which defense core can handle these, the Americans the best. It might be the Swedes because of their mobility. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Swedes, uh, you look at that back end, uh, you know, that's maybe a discussion for another show, but, you know, with uh, Tom Willander, um, you know, uh, Patterson back there, uh, Sandin Pelica, like you've got more, you got a little bit of a mix, don't you? You got some size, some range. Uh, they got a bunch of different types of uh, players, but guys, this, this forward group, the, the one thing that could get in the Americans way, if anything at all, is they get uh, too anxious if they get pinned in for a sequence. Let's say that the, the Canadians are cycling off the wall and they get a little frustrated by it because they want to jump the offense. Um, as long as they're patient enough to wait out their defensive zone responsibilities, they can pounce on teams. There, there's not a team in the, in the tournament that they can't pounce on if they're patient enough. And they have a an eclectic mix between like goal scorers and then some power forwards. Like they actually have some really strong power forwards, like Jimmy Snuggerud. Like there's a big body that's going to be able to grind along the walls and help get pucks out. And he's a guy that's going to disrupt in front of the net. But then you have these like sneaky goal scorers, like, you know, Isaac Howard and, you know, Ryan Leonard's a total pest and he can score goals in there. Frank Nazar can score goals. Gabriel Perot is like, can score goals. Like, I mean, they're, I don't like the problem is I'm not sure. I think they're going to have a hard time figuring out who's going to be on the power play. I think they're going to have that BC line out there because they have great chemistry, but I think there's going to be a knife fight in the locker room about who's going to get on the power play. Cause I think it's going to be really fascinating. And I like the fact that they have some character guys in there. I'm really looking forward to watching Gavin Brindley play. I think he's going to be a real catalyst for this team. Like him and Moore and Leonard, there's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of pace, a lot of like what we call piss and vinegar in their games. And I think it's, that's going to be really contagious to this team as well. I I think like I look at Brent, uh, the way Brindley and Leonard and Moore, like just that energy that they play with, I think is going to be, a real advantage to this team, not just offensively, but particularly defensively when they're hounding pucks coming back to the neutral zone. Yeah. The, the, the combination with those guys is size and leverage. Like uh, people are going to say, well, you know, Gavin Brindley's this big or, you know, Ryan Leonard's this big. Trust me. They seen- give, they give you all you can handle uh, physically when you have to body up against them. They're relentless and, uh, Gavin Brindley should be a leader, shouldn't he, guys? Uh, been there, done that last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, a couple of years in at the college level. And and he sprung onto the scene last year uh, when Fantilli was supposed to be getting all the attention at Michigan. And and he showed really well and good on him. I expect him to carry uh, a heavy load here for the U.S. I, you know, I wouldn't be terribly shocked. Well, I think he's going to have a letter for sure. I don't know if he's captain because there's some other captain material in there as well. But certainly he's a guy that, and look, They'll look at his size, but if anybody's seen, you saw him at the combine, his legs were like tree trunks. Oh, like yeah. His, his core was big. Like, it's, he's the one player that I've saw at the combine that I thought of uh, Mar- uh, Marty St. Louis. Because yeah. Marty St. Louis, how big he was in his core and how big his, like, tops of his legs were and his calves were, it's the same kind of build where that's great, but he's, he's like a fire hydrant. You're not going to knock him over. And he understands how to use leverage. Forget about it. I'm like he's the one small player that I'm not worried. I don't consider small because of that. Like, you know, he, he understands how to play through hands as well. He's going to be, he's going to be so problematic. You know, is there anybody, anybody in this roster of group of forwards that you think that could end up coming out as that a bit of a goal scorer that sort of like separates himself? Like, I know, you know, I kind of look at either, 
Isaac Howard could come on the power play and just light it up. Um, but then there's also, you know, what is Gabe Perot though? Even though he's been obviously this year, much more of a playmaker than scoring goals, but he's so le- Those two players are so lethal when they shoot. Well, to your point, the, the thing that's really interesting about this crop, we're talking about all these players right now, so many of them can skate, draw towards the center, and then find a lateral option. And, and that sets up so many one-timer opportunities for basically their entire roster, depending on their line combinations. So it's it's they're, they're going to be the most dangerous team in transition to this event. You know, we're talking about a power play lawyer. Just in transition, this is arguably the most dangerous team. They, there's nothing they can't do off the rush. Uh, and to your point, when you look at line driving potential, Oliver Moore and Gavin Brindley have that too, even though they're smaller, right? They're, they're low center of gravity, very hard to knock off the puck. And then you got bigger forwards like Jimmy Snuggeroo and Cutter Goche. They they can just dominate. So it's just they have a. It's one of those situations where the coach gets to mix and match. It's going to be. It's almost too many good things. It's going to. It's very interesting to see how these line combinations play out because there's just so many options. 100%. Let's take a, a short break. We'll get back and talk about Team USA, the defense, and the goaltenders right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with Sports Code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all in one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, uh, powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. 
We're continuing to talk about Team USA. They haven't completed their roster as of yet. That should be Sunday afternoon, maybe Monday morning. We'll see. Let's talk about the defense core. You know, we you know we gave so much laurels over the the group, the forward group, and how skilled they were. But you know, you look at this defense core. And they have just an equally interesting mix of offensive defensemen, some guys in the middle, but some guys are going to be able to shut it down and a lot of good athletes, Jason. Like if you look at this group, they're not massive. I mean, the biggest guy out of there is going to be Sam Renzel, but they're athletes and they can skate and they're smart. Yeah. And with Renzel, you're getting a a big, like he's tall right now. Right. But he's lean, Lean. he's lean and long. Um, You know, again, Similar to the rest of the group, uh, I really like this mix here. So, you know, you got some guys that can quarterback the power play, you know, the, the Casey's and the Hudson's of the world. They got some under-the-radar guys that I really think bring exceptional value when the games get really hard. Like Fortescue yes. and uh, and Minutian, if, if they make this team, um, like those guys – you know, when you need a shot block or you need an extra pushback and stuff like that, they've shown that they're capable of that in the past. And and I would anticipate that uh, that's going to be the case again. You know, Ryan Chesley's a leader by nature. So I don't know. I, again, um, what do you want? Do you want a shutdown guy? Do you want, a, you know, guys to transport it? I don't I don't give a lick about the size of this group. They're all competitive. They all bring different things to the equation um, again. I think they're going to launch it really effectively from the back end. But when the when the going gets tough on any given shift, they've got some of those bulldogs there that will block shots and, and leverage up very aggressively. Yeah, Jason, to your point, when you look at Fortescue, it's it's one of those situations reminds me of Drew Hellison when he was here. Yeah. You, you need that quiet, calming, almost yeah, I mean, this is a compliment, vanilla presence where you know what you're gonna get. He's not he's gonna be that calming factor if say Lane Hudson has a bad shift. Right. It just quiets everything back down so that that's that's what that brings. And this is such a dynamic team. Um, these are the types of players that go under the radar. but They're very impactful and very important uh, when it comes to the subtle aspects of the game for a win. So it's going to be very interesting to see what what combination they do with. But, yeah, to, to your point, Jason, I think it's a good one is players like that are going to really matter here for the states. I think one thing, if I can just pipe in and say, is that it's going to be interesting for me and maybe some of uh, the people, our listeners, when they watch these games, Different defensemen here that handle the puck, like call it the Hudsons and the Caseys. Um, the reload for the forwards because there's going to be more stick to stick coming off of them, or they're going to lead the rush on their own, and the forwards are going to have to be part of it. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how they adapt to that because that's how you break out pucks and outlet pucks. It's different with different defense pairs. So, like if, uh, for example, Fortescue is dummying down a shift, just keeping it simple, he gets possession, he doesn't like his options, that's going to be windowing out. So now your forwards are jumping to open space instead of loading to go stick to stick. And uh, that's interesting as five-man unit, how you adapt. You know, that's interesting you say that because it'll it'll see how which defense pairings come together. You know, you always like to have maybe an offensive guy with a guy who's going to be able to be a stabilizer, but the winger's going to have to adapt to understand who's on what side, right? So you may have Casey on the right side, but then you got Hudson on the left, right? On different, right? So whenever you're the left winger, the right winger, you have to recognize which of those D are on which side to know what, what potentially could happen. So you're more likely to, to come in and circle in and wait for it. And that puck's going to come to you off a Hudson or a Casey left side, right side. But then if you have more of a defensive defenseman, who's going to get picked, maybe he's getting pinned. 
it may come off the glass and then you have to recognize maybe that left winger has to come in. Then the center's got to come in to help fill that and, you know, and help them out in puck support. So, but I, I think they're, I think this defense core might get overshadowed only because the forward group is so dynamic, but there's some really smart defensemen who have played a lot of really excellent hockey. And one of the things that sometimes we don't appreciate is the level of college hockey versus junior hockey. And I'm not saying junior hockey is not great because it is, but a lot of times these guys are playing against 22, 23 year old men, sometimes 24 because of what happened with COVID. So they're not playing against 18 year old, 19 year old defensemen. They're playing against, you know, bigger, stronger, faster players. So they're used to that kind of like physicality already. I think sometimes we forget about that in college hockey, particularly at what conference you're going you're in. Yeah, I, that's obviously true. I mean, you know, some of these guys are playing against 25 year olds, you know, depending on the team that you're, you know, there's some teams out there with, with guys that age, but um, there's going to be some things fresh in their mind, guys. Like, you know, everybody looks at that uh, U18 team for team USA last year. They went it in overtime, you know, their big rigs up front, uh, get it done. But with about three minutes left in the game, uh, Brad, you were there with me, you know, the, the Minuteans and these guys, they were blocking shots with, uh, with, you know, everything that they had to, to keep the puck out of their net, some key sequences that team doesn't even get to overtime to win the game. Unless some of these guys that don't get the recognition that some of the other ones get, and maybe and obviously they all deserve it, but these are important components to team uh, success. I think what's going to be interesting now, and we should talk about it, is the goaltending. Augustine and Fowler, um, one, two. I don't know which one is going to end up taking the lead dog. I mean, obviously, Augustine played last year, and I did. I thought he, as an underager, did a remarkable job under siege, particularly that crazy game against Sweden when all things like just um, fell apart for everybody defensively, and it was a, it was a run and gun. But the one guy I always go to is Fowler, because if you look at his track record, basically from age 11 up, every tournament he was in, every league he was in, he won. He won best goaltender. He won the championship all the way. He just wins, right? And he has that mentality that I want in a goaltender. When it hits the fan, and it always does, I want the guy who is the mentally and emotionally the strongest between the pipes, regardless of skill set, because... In this tournament, you're one and done. And I want the guy with the mental. And I'm not, that's nothing against Trey Augustine because I think he's an excellent goaltender as well. But if I had to lean one way, it would be because to Fowler because of that. Well, it's it's a very interesting battle on paper. So it, uh, what Jason discussed last year, it, Trey Augustine, without him, they don't win that medal. They don't win yeah. gold. It's as simple as that. He was he was fantastic in that game. It was a huge game for him. Uh, one thing that's very interesting on the larger ice, ice surface, you're going to see the lateral transition rates go up a little bit. Yeah. And depending on how wide uh, the pass attempt is, you're going to have to see goalies transition laterally more often, right? At at a further and further on an angle that sometimes they can be uncomfortable with when trying to reintegrate back into their post and enter reverse VH and come back out. My point of saying that is when you look at transition rates specifically. The re- one of the reasons Jacob Fowler fell, fell to the third round was the question mark with his lateral transition rates in general because he was a thicker goalie, right? When you look at Trey Augustine, smaller, more explosive laterally, more athletically gifted, a little better with his transition game. 
So that could be the differentiating factor in, in terms of who actually gets the starts here when, when it comes to uh, the European ice. But uh, to your point, I think Jacob Fowler does have the slight edge. And I, I love the mental composure of Fowler. I think Montreal had a home run pick in the third round based off of what we've seen so far. And uh, But let's say this, I, I don't think there's a one-two that's better than what the States have this uh, at this tournament. 100%. Yeah, August. I they're both going to play. Let's let's be clear here. I mean, this could be one of those situations where they they split it certainly through the preliminary round and then see what happens after that. But uh, Michigan State's on a heater. They're much they're much better team. Augustine's part of that success. Fowler, I, I couldn't agree with you guys any more than like I can't double down on it because you're you're exactly right. That but they're both athletic. They're both focused. They both have pedigree in terms of winning big games, big moments. So. Again, another nice problem to have for the Americans. This is just a fantastic team. If if they don't if they don't find success here, uh, I'll be shocked. You know, you know. Wrap up this this segment. I look at this roster, and I I sat and stared at it and stared at it, and I went back and looked at different rosters that the Americans have had and have had success. On paper, this might be the best U.S. team I've ever seen that I've seen like live, gone to a tournament. This might be, on paper, the best U.S. team I've ever seen. Forward group, defense core is really good. Goaltending. Like, when when do you have a guy who both of them are number ones? They're both number ones any given year. So that, to me, is – I think it's their goal, potentially their goal to win, and um, we're going to see. And, you know, before we go to break, I was looking at the rosters not all set, but the one team that kind of – kind of like – looks as like a dangerous sleeper pick for me that could upset a giant is Slovakia. That Slovakia forward group, that top nine, they're really good. Uh, not as much talent on defense, but that Adam Gage and that he could probably pull off a Godla. Remember Godla came in and like stole the show. He could probably pull that off. So for me, um, the upset is going to be an upset special. It's going to be the Slovaks, and it would be great for their program to do so and get into a medal game as well. But we better take off. Thanks uh, once again uh, to Jason, and uh, we'll uh, be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we designed solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're now in our regular segment, It's All Mental, with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist, mental coach. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Hey, love being here. Well, we're continuing our segment as we go through your book, Hockey Grit, Grind, and Mind. We are still in Chapter 3, Perception. And we wanted to tap into the topic of breaking free of self-destructive thought patterns. And I find this a fascinating subject because, you know, I I think it's pretty clear where, you know, where the, your mind goes, your body follows and whatever your mind does is going to be the indicator of a large part of, if not everything of your success in not as a hockey player, just in life in general, you know? So when you're sitting on the couch, do you want to eat the bag of Doritos? Should you eat the bag of Doritos? You know, that's just one aspect of that. Speak, speak to us about those topics and that topic and these conversations you have with particularly young players about, you know, setting your thought processes and your patterns so that when tough times come or you're just like having a night off that, you know, you stay on task, not that like you want to be, you know, just rigid in your life and you should have fun, but, you know, recognizing that you can't, you know, those destructive thoughts can really start to unravel what successes you've had. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing, and I think all humans deal with it, right? So if you, if you're doing this, then it just means that you're alive and you're a human being. And that is, we, we have a tendency to get caught up in negative self-talk, right? Sort of beating ourselves up, uh, paying attention to every dumb thing that we did, um, giving ourselves crap. Um, you know, if, when we're playing hockey, if we didn't make the perfect play, then as we're skating to the bench, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, you dope, you idiot. What, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? You know, and I think what's so funny about it is that, you know, if you had a line mate, say you were coming up the ice, you know, you had a two on one, one guy goes off sides, you know, maybe you, maybe it's you go off sides. And as you're going to the bench, you're beating yourself up. Um, can you imagine if, if your line mate looked at you and said the things you're saying to yourself, you know, say, what's wrong with you idiot, you stupid boof, right? What's going on? But, but that would never happen. But yet we do it to ourselves all the time. Right. So it's that negative self-talk that sort of sets a tone and let's face it. We're not our best when we're, we're, you know, getting all this, this negative feedback. We're not our best when we're being beat up and, and put down, but that's what we do to ourselves. So I think the first thing I want to recognize is that when we get caught up 
in these these types of ways of thinking is that a it's it's really bad for our performance right the thing that we need the most is is what we're hurting the most and that's our ability to perform but number two is that other people wouldn't do that to us so why are we doing it to ourselves and and one of the things that i do is i teach a thing called being your best coach and, and we've mess, mentioned this before in previous uh, uh, segments but it's the idea that you've got to be able to step outside of yourself and, and talk to yourself like you would a teammate, right? In that situation, you need to talk to yourself like you would talk to a teammate that made that same boneheaded play. Um, and that's what I'm talking about by being your best coach. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but once people start to sort of get their mind around that, and as they're skating to the bench, they're thinking, man, you're better than that. Come on, don't, don't worry about it, shake it off. You know, let's get back out there. Um, that's being your best coach. Um, so that, that's one of the first things I want these young guys to learn. Kevin, it's a really interesting topic because I, I really find that it uh, helps promote a lack of confidence if you're, if you're too self-critical. And confidence is everything to developing prospects. Uh, look no further, somebody like Niels Lundqvist, who's one of the blue chip prospects in hockey right now, had a bad plus one season. And the reason he said it was bad is because he lost his confidence and it was because he was too self-critical. So one thing I want to ask mm-hmm. you about with, uh, with players who are too self-critical is what techniques and strategies are there to be able to compensate through just visual strategy specifically, because I find that that's the most reflective of, of hockey in general. Yeah. And I think sort of first thing it goes back to stop beating yourself up. Nobody would do that to you. So stop doing it to yourself. That's the first thing. It's also important to recognize what you just said. The more I do this, the more I'm just wearing down my confidence. I, I, I call it's, it's like having an ax to a giant tree. I can keep whacking at it and whacking at it and whacking at it. And the first few times, you know, it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen, but if I keep whacking at it, eventually I'm going to knock that tree down. And that's what happens to us. If we don't, get a handle on these these comments these these chops right then we're we're only hurting ourselves and i think another thing that's important to understand is is that you're you're going to move in the direction of your thoughts Uh, just like what shane said a minute ago if you're if you're sitting on the couch and all of a sudden this idea of doritos pops in your head right what's what's going to happen almost automatically at some point and that is you're going to get up you're going to go in the kitchen you're going to find that bag of doritos and you're going to start eating them and then all of a sudden your brain wakes up and says what are you doing right you're going to eat here dinner in a minute or you know the wife's going to give you read you the riot act or your kid comes in and say hey dad those are mine right but we move in the direction of our thinking. So that's super important for any player to recognize is that if I'm carrying bad thoughts, if I'm picturing worst case scenarios, I am more likely to move in that direction and to actually, you know, do those things. than if I can't figure out a way to sort of put a movie on and that movie is, is me being my best. That movie is, is, is me executing at a high level. It's playing with speed and intensity and playing with confidence, right? And so this is a, there's a whole idea of visualization, and this is something that we'll get into for sure. But at the end of the day, sometimes you, if, if you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling like the right player that you need to be, sometimes you need to sort of step into a role. You need to step into an as-if sort of superhero version of yourself and the, the body follows the mind, right? So if I can control the mind, then maybe that body will follow at least long enough for me to get my, my head out of my butt and, and start playing hockey like I know how to. 
You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. Brought to you by PowerPlayer, the hockey player development software at ThePowerPlayer.com. We're chatting with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach, uh, breaking down his book, Hockey Grit, Grind and Mind, talking about Chapter 3, Perception, Breaking Free of Self-Destructive Thought Patterns. You know, Kevin, just quickly, we have a couple minutes left. You know, I, I think what also Brad was alluding to is um, using visual aids for the player to help them in terms of, say, video of their game when they're successful and so that it starts to trigger those positive thoughts. Hey, remember, you're an excellent, you're, you're a really good player. You're an excellent player. Look at all the things that you do well. Remember that, you know, this is what you can do. This is what you're capable right. of, of. And just sort of like sort of an ability to reset yourself. Yeah. Well, we're playing those movies in our head all the time and you're exactly right. If I get some really good video coaching and they, they, they show me things I can improve on. Certainly that's, that's really the big point of it. It's not just to show all your highlights, but you know, you got to look at your highlights. You got to recognize when you did things right, when you did the right thing. And, and a lot of times what will happen is that, that, that movie that we're having a tendency to play, which is more negative and more focused on the, on the mistakes all of a sudden, we're, we sort of step back and with that awareness, right, awareness that you're doing it, you can start to say, you know what, I, I am a pretty good player and I'm a heck of a lot better than I was last year and I'm getting better every single time I hit the ice. So, yeah, let, let, give myself a break, right? And again, I think when you when you allow that, that coach version of yourself to step up and say, hey, give yourself a break, um, a lot of times kids can do that, but the problem is many times they think they are their performance. So if they have a bad performance, then they're a lousy person, right? Lousy player, lousy person. And, and we know that's just not true. Yeah, I know. And that's, I, I find it really fascinating because you're having to, you know, work with younger players all the way up to, you know, professional age adults. And, you know, in many cases, we just, we keep repeating our patterns. Like we do really well. And then you sort of fall into a trap and you got to, dig yourself out of that trap again and then you know you you're doing really well and you sort of fall into that and there's just uh i find that whole you know psychological brain chemistry fascinating and how that impacts performance and which is why i thought the book was so um illuminating on on many of those factors as well but we're going to take a quick break on hockey prospect radio we'll continue with dr kevin willis on it's all mental right after these important messages every play Every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all in one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind. We are now on to Chapter 4, and the title of that is Purpose. Uh, the sub uh, topic we want to speak about is self-image. And, you know, it's funny because both, Brad, uh, Kevin, both Brad and I were talking about, uh, you know, the detriment to, of social media in today's world, particularly when it comes to prospects and about the, the vast amount of information that's poured upon these players, um, especially in the last five years and the access to information about you as an individual and how that can particularly impact your personal self image. And because you're, you know, a young person, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, up until 20, you know, you know, your brain hasn't finished developing yet. You know, you're not quite, you know, uh, an adult in, in many cases. So handling those type, uh, that type of, you know, reactions from other people that you don't know. Um, talk about the conversations you have with your clients in terms of self-image, um, especially when it comes around with social media, because many of the young kids now, their self-image is based on what happens in their social media feeds. Yeah, and it's so tough. And, you know, it, it, it seems like a, a perfect storm uh, of, of, of bad connections. And that is that young people, and I say young people, I, I'm talking kids, you know, all the way up to 21, 22, 23, because that's, that's as the brain is maturing, right? But so imagine you're in that 13, 14, 15 age, you're, you're starting to go through the puberty and all that kind of stuff. Here, here, here's your brain at a point where your, your, your limbic system, the more emotional side of your brain is developing really pretty fast, right? But the, the, the frontal part, that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex, the, the thinking, the reasoning part of your brain is, is just sort of chugging along. It's coming on slow, but man, it is not anywhere caught up to the emotional side of the brain. So here we've got a situation that I'm pretty much emotional, right? And I'm reading all these comments and I can read a good one and a good one and a good one. And all of a sudden there's a bad one and all the good ones are gone. Right. I don't even, I don't even remember reading them. It's all bad. It's all bad. Um, and I don't have that, that maturity in my brain to be able to say, but that's come on, that's one out of 10, you know, relax. 
um, it's it's not there. That that level of reasoning and maturity is not there. And put that you know in context with sort of the way the brain develops in general, and that is that when you're young, um, being part of a of a group of a community, being accepted, is life or death. It really is. I mean, you know, you look at evolution coming all the way up as, you know, cavemen, if you got ousted from the tribe, you would die, right? So it's, it's, it is part of our evolutionary process to, to need to be connected to community, to need to be in the good graces of the people around us, right? And again, it's not until that, that more mature parts of our brain begin to develop that allow us to sort of understand that balance that needs to be and, and these young people they don't have it and then you know i'll touch on the idea of what these comments do you know these comments they come in they come in they come in and they're like little hits of dopamine right oh that made me feel good oh that made me feel good Ooh, that made me feel good and all of a sudden bam you know you get punched in the face with a, a negative comment and you're just not mature enough to process that and i don't say mature enough in a, in a derogatory way i'm literally talking about the makeup of the brain of young people Kevin, is the first step to, to maturation the ability of a young teen to basically say, hang on, okay, this is a negative comment, but this person doesn't actually know who I am. And in order to say, I know who I am, you have to have some sort of idea. Again, it goes back to, it's always interconnected. It goes back to self-awareness. It goes back to having some sort of frame of reference as to how you identify yourself. So my point is, the, the maturation process really starts with self-identification and then allows you to basically separate yourself from that immediate validation from when you get a good tweet or a good like or a good somebody says something positive to you online uh, versus when somebody says something negative. Is, is it really that maturation process of saying, this is how I identify, this person doesn't know me, therefore I don't need to follow what this person's saying and I'm not going to integrate it emotionally and it won't be as negative. Yeah, well, because that emotional part of our brain is so fast, I mean, like super fast, then it, it grabs onto it and you begin to feel something before your your rational parts of your brain has a chance to say, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, right? Let's think about what we're doing here. That's that's the first thing. But number two is that the the strength, the maturity, the the ability of that reasoning part of your brain to over, you know, to counteract those feelings is minimized because it's just not grown up yet. It's not all the way, you know, dialed in. Um, so I think I think it's really as coaches and everybody, we we need to sort of help them um, learn how to think rationally and learn how to to recognize the impact of these comments. Right now, as far as the awareness side of it, again, I think if you know, as kids learn that you are not your performance, you are not the comments that people are making about you. You're you, right? And you're allowed to if you can you know, just stop for a second and sort of step outside of yourself and look at it from the outside in, then my guess is you would be a better coach to yourself in those situations than if you are trapped inside of your body experiencing it. Uh, so I, I know that's it's, it's sort of con confusing um, way of looking at it. But as soon as I can, I want kids to recognize that it's okay to screw up. You, you are not your mistakes, right? As a matter of fact, if you don't screw up, then you're not learning. Um, it's okay to, to get negative comments because those are opportunities to learn, right? Um, these, are, these things are okay. They hurt, but they're, they're okay. And then as they get older and older and older and they start to filter that stuff, for one, they don't remember that they used to feel that way because, you know, the way we mature. But number two is, um, I think as coaches, as, as mentors, you know, we need to help them through those really hard times. And, and it is, it's hard. I, 
you know, I didn't grow up with all that social media, but I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine going, growing up in, in today's world with video and the social media and all that kind of stuff, man, I just don't think I would have made it. Having a couple of minutes left in the show. Uh, would you ever, I just recommend, um, you know, with younger players making their life a little bit smaller and like blocking out those noises and maybe not only having one social media feed. It was just a, a comment that, you know, Connor McDavid had recommended to the players on the world junior team, you know, a couple of years ago. And I thought it just, it made sense. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because you talk about somebody, you know, Ooh, so-and-so said something really nasty about me and I'm so mad. I'm so upset. I'm just going to kill him and all that kind of stuff. Well, what if you didn't know they said that about you? What if you had no idea in the world, they said that about you, right? Well, would you be upset? No, I wouldn't be upset because I didn't know. Right. So it's not what they said that made you mad. It's how you responded to what they said that made you mad. So there's two things. One is learn how to process those emotions and those, you know, reasoning of, of the idea that somebody said something and I'm now trying to justify it or at least, you know, talk myself off the ledge. That's one way. Or number two is just like you said, don't pay attention to it. You know, sometimes things get better by, by pruning away some of the things that make it worse. And it's hard. It's hard when everybody else is doing it and doing all these channels and all that kind of stuff. But maybe, maybe, if we can get them to, like you said, one channel, grab a channel, if it's Instagram, if it's Facebook, if it's TikTok, whatever it is, right? I, I don't know where these kids are anymore, but grab one channel. And if you're okay in there, you know, practice these, these, the reasoning skills that we're trying to teach you. Um, but then you sort of, you know, tame all these other channels. You, you don't need to know about everything. I know a lot of pros, they just don't read all the, the press. They just don't. It, it serves no purpose in their world. They're focused on being the best they can be. And, press and, and, and outsiders, they need to justify their existence. A lot of times they stir up, you know, a lot of controversy and a lot of negativeness and, and, and because that gets all the press. And so as a player, uh, you're, you're just better served to, you know, limit that as much as you can. Well, understood. And it's a conversation I had with pros and juniors and, you know, and teams in terms of what their policies are. And they try to have a balance from that respect and, it's a it's a huge challenge for the next generation, and I'm I'm super happy that I didn't have to grow up with it. As much as I love the information age, I I don't know how well I would have handled that situation as well. But once again, uh, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks, boys. Had fun. That's Dr. Kevin Willis. I want to thank our guests this week. Uh, of course, Mark Yates from Instat, as well as Pat Malloy, our player development coach, uh, Dr. Kevin Willis. Uh, for Brad Allen, I'm Shane Malloy. It's been another edition of Hockey Prospect Radio, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.